The lady who called Ollie was very strange and very concerned. You, I've heard such good things about you, Mr. Octopus. Said, oh, you don't have to call me Mr. Octopus, just, just Ollie is fine. Says, no, no, I'm not some informal hussy. I will call you Mr. Octopus and you will call me Mrs. Templeton. I said, oh, okay, Mrs. Templeton, that's, that's fine. So, Mr. Octopus, here's the thing. A number of items have been stolen from my house. Many of them are whatever. I don't really care. I'd like them back, but they don't bother me emotionally, if you understand my meaning. There's a clock and uh, a television, and I don't really care about that. There was a gold ring, but, well, they also stole my grandfather's watch. It was a gold watch with silver hands on the face. It was a rare radium watch, which they don't make anymore. I didn't wear it because of the, you know, the radium, but it glowed in the, the face, glowed in the dark. It was a really amazing piece. It always kept perfect time. And then, well, you know, it's a man's watch, so I also didn't wear it a lot because of that, but sometimes my husband or my son would wear it out for special occasions. And in any case, it's very special to me. And it was also stolen. And I need it back. I have to have it back. It's an heirloom. I intend to pass it on to my son or my grandson. I said, all right. Well, what else can you tell me about the watch? I said, well, it was made by a craftsman from Switzerland. It was an original Seiko. Um, yeah, I'll go with that. <laughs> Made by the man himself, I think. Um, let's see. It had a number stamped on the back. It was M9K8721911. And, um, oh, well, inside of it, inside the battery case, is a small note that my grandfather put in there when he was in the war. I said, this found, please return to Midge Templeton, which is my grandmother, and uh, gives the address, although the address you can't really read anymore. And in any case, we don't live there anymore. But the Midge Templeton part, at least last I saw it, was still legible. All right, and when did the theft happen? So, well, I think it happened last night. When I came down in the morning, my front, my front door was, was open. And there were scratch marks around the lock. I think someone picked the lock, came in, and rifled around. It's... I keep it and the other things that were stolen in a... It's in a display case. The other things that were stolen were on, in... Uh, all in the library, which is on the first floor. So they must have been very sneaky and came in and took the things and left. Well, I said, all right, well, I'll get started right away because there's not much time. I said, what do you mean? So that sort of thing, ma'am, once it gets stolen, the thief usually tries to get rid of it quick. You'd be surprised how quickly something like that can leave town. Said, oh, no, that's terrible. Do what you can. There's, and I'll spare no expense.
So if you need to travel, bribe someone, I don't care, whatever. I'll pay for it. I just want my grandfather's watch back. I don't really care about the other things, although they'd be nice. I said, all right, all right. So all I knew right where to start. She'd given him also her address, so he had an idea of where the theft took place. And it was not far at all from a pawn shop that all I knew. And what all I knew about that pawn shop was that the guy who ran it <clears throat> had some dubious connections to some suspicious individuals. So he went to Polly's pawn shop. As he came in, one of the clerks said, Oh, it's Ollie. Hey, Polly. Ollie's here to see you. Ollie nodded at the clerk and said, Hey, Jim. Said, hey, Ollie, how you been? So that's been good. Polly came out with a gruff look, said, oh, All right, um, come on back to my office. We'll talk in private. So Ollie came on back and went back to Polly's office. Polly said, I suppose you're not here to, to shop for a ring or a, or a guitar. I said, no, no, I'm here investigating a theft. And in particular, I came to you because it involves an antique. And I know if I had an antique that I wanted a price on and a buyer, I'd come to you. Paul said, yeah, I'd come to me too. Well, why don't you tell me a little bit about what's missing, and I can tell you what the information might cost you. I said, all right, here's the thing, Polly, the thing you should know, is I already know that you're involved. But I don't know what you're talking about. Here's the thing, Polly. The thief, the thief, the thief, they took three things from this lady. They took a watch, and that's what we're after. They took a clock, and they took a television. Oh, and a golden ring, yeah, sorry. Four items. And I saw the exact clock that she described in some of these photos of on your display shelf. And I saw the exact television already out in your window with a price on it. So then, I don't know about the golden ring, but I know exactly how this went down. They came to you, asked what this watch would be worth and who would buy it. And for the information, they paid you in the television the watch, or the television, the clock, and maybe the gold ring. So, I am willing to pay you some money for the information, but you should understand that I'm also doing you a favor by not calling in selling stolen property. Paul well, said, all right, all right, all right. No need to get testy about it. So you're looking for the watch? Well, I said, yeah. I can tell you some information that might help you find the watch. It'll cost you, eh, you're being good to me, I'll cost you 150 bucks. I said, all right, deal. I don't have it on me, but I'll come back with it. I said, yeah, I'll trust you. You've never lied to me before, Ollie. Here's the deal. The guy came in, I'm not gonna give you the guy's name, because he's a regular customer both for legit stuff and for not legit stuff. But I can tell you what I told him. And that's that Donnie the Snake is moving out 
a big shipment of antiques and stuff tomorrow night. Down from the harbor, Pier 6. And I gave him Donnie's number, but she, I can't give you Donnie's number. But you can probably find Donnie the Snake other ways. If I give you his number, he'll know it was me. It'd be trouble for me. I understand. You can't tell anybody that I told you about Donnie's shipment. And one thing I have not said explicitly, Ollie, is that anything in Donnie's shipment is illegal. I don't know what all is in his shipment. I said, well, with a name like Donnie the Snake, I've got my suspicions. I said, well, you know, you're the detective. You've got your suspicions. That's your business. My business is this pawn shop and a little bit of antique dealing. So I appreciate you coming in, Ollie. I appreciate you not ratting me out. Stop by any time, you know, and stop by soon with that 150 bucks. I said, all right, I will. You know I will. I said, yeah, I know you will. All right, Ollie. You have a good one here. And so Ollie left. So he had to figure out who Donnie the Snake was and how to get into this pier in time. The pier was easy enough to find. That was on a map. And he knew the time. So he realized he didn't really need to know who Donnie the Snake was. He could figure that out. He got down to the dock early in the evening, before it was even dark out. He also told one of his contacts in the police department, somebody that worked in the burglary unit, about the situation. And he said, listen, I'm going to bring my phone along with me. I'm going to sneak on to this shipment, whatever it is, if it's a truck or a boat. And I'll send you a couple texts with my location. And we'll get to where we're going, wherever that is. I'll tell you where we are, and you can send somebody. I'm going to be focused on this watch that my client did, but you might be able to recover a lot of stolen stuff. And the officer said, all right, all right, sure. We'll be ready. Let us know when you have some information about where it is that you're going so I can coordinate with law enforcement at the destination. And you better hope it's not a long journey, Ollie. I said, yeah, that'd be bad if it like gets on a boat and goes across the ocean. So that's what I was thinking. So, yeah, that would suck. All right, I'll keep you posted. So I went down to the pier, as I said, before it even got dark. You saw a couple different things going on. There was somebody unloading onto a truck, but that was fish, and therefore not any volley's business. Then, as it got dark, a big, a big panel truck pulled up. Not all the way the size of a semi-truck, but as big as, well, it was about <clears throat> 10 feet tall and about 25 feet long inside the bed. And then a group of guys started unloading stuff from a warehouse into the truck, bringing it up on you know, dollies and carts. And then, as they were starting to do that, around the time that Polly the pawn shop guy had told, <clears throat> said he'd told the guy, his car drove up. And this guy came out. And I could hear. He said, hey, um, I hear you, you're an antiques buyer. And I have an item that I think is worth, 
you know, it might be good for your collection. It might be good for your trade. And the guy said, yeah, well, hold on. Let me get Donnie for you. I'm just, I'm just hard muscle. And so, hey, Donnie, got somebody here for you. And with that, Donnie, this guy Donnie came over, and all the guys that were working came over too. Now it's all his opportunity. He slipped down from the roof where he'd been hiding, and scampered over, and got inside the truck, underneath some stuff that was already loaded. He squirreled himself away in a place where he could still see and hear, because he wanted to see and hear this, but where he couldn't easily be seen. And he heard the whole thing. The thief said, yeah, so, um, yeah, I got this antique watch I'm looking to unload. And I talked to a guy, said that, uh, you know, you buy this kind of thing. And he said that it's worth $600. And Don said, let me take a look at it. All right. Yeah, it's an original. It's old, 1911. Whoever told you $600 is crazy, though. But I'll give you 400 for it. The guy said, all right, deal, deal, deal. Gave him $500 cash, and the guy left. All he got down the license plate of the car, saved it in his phone for later. After he left, Donnie started laughing. said, ah, what a maroon. This thing's worth $800 easy. And he put it in his pocket. I was like, darn, the pocket's going to be hard. He watched Donnie, hoping that the guy would, he would put it, you know, into a box and into the truck, but he didn't. So all I knew that his plan was not yet foolproof. In fact, he needed to get out of the back of the truck and get into the front of the truck. So he waited. It just wasn't working. So he decided he had to try something kind of brave. He found a small object, but it was an old lamp. He took the light bulb out of the lamp, and in a brief spell, when the guys weren't looking, Ollie chucked the light bulb out into the alley, out where the guy had parked before. It made a loud smash, and all the guys came running over to see what was going on. I said, the cops, what was that? They're shouting. And he was pretty sure everybody was out over there looking around. Ollie quickly and quietly scampered out of the back of the truck, went around and got into the cab of the truck, and got down behind the seat. Well, after a while, they gave up looking and found the broken light bulb and finished loading up. And some people got into the cab of the truck, and I said, oh, I hope that Donnie's here among the people in the truck. Two people got into the truck in the end. I heard him talking for a minute, like, all right, well, we should get going. Guy in the driver's seat said, All right, well, get in. The rest of you, you'll get paid just like normal. I'll see you in your bank account. I said, All right, boss, we'll see you later. Good luck in Pennsylvania. And I texted his contact, making sure to put his phone on silent. We're going to Pennsylvania, not sure where yet. And the second guy got into the truck, I said, All right, Donnie, uh, I'm ready to go. We all fueled up. I locked out the back of the truck and locked up the warehouse. I said, all right, good job, Reggie. Let's get going. And they started driving. 
So all I knew that Donnie was driving, Reggie was in the passenger seat, they were going to somewhere in Pennsylvania. He couldn't see much of anything from where he was. But while they were still driving in the city, bumping over roads and potholes, Ollie quietly, very sneakily, reached up with his tentacle and pickpocketed, got the watch out of Donnie's pocket. He thought for a second that Donnie had noticed because he sort of shifted. But he ended up just itching his knee. I got the watch out and said, all right, that part's successful. And then all I just waited, and I drove all the way to Pennsylvania. At one point, they stopped for gas, and all I got a glimpse. kind of see where he was, and he texted him out of sheets in York, Pennsylvania. Getting gas, though. And then they closed the door again. And they drove for a while. They drove for like three hours. Three and a half hours. Yeah, somewhere in there. And then they finally stopped. And I texted again. He checked his GPS, and he was in Philadelphia. He'd been texting and checking in here and there, looking at his GPS and then texting his location to his contact. So his contact kind of figured they were going to Philadelphia. And once they stopped, I texted the location again. I heard Donnie say, all right, Reggie, wait here. It's going to be about half an hour. i got to go meet our contact and then uh, bring him back to here. I've got the location of my GPS, but you stay here and stay with the truck, make sure everything's, you know, the way it should be. Well, Ollie and the police had a different plan. The police officer back in Baltimore had coordinated with the officers there in Philadelphia. Ollie had told them everything that they had heard. So they got a whole team of them. And they gathered around, but they were trying to be sneaky hoping that Donnie would come back and they could bust Donnie, Reggie, and whoever the buyer was. But that part didn't quite work. Because Ollie heard a car pull up. And then all of a sudden there was yelling. And he heard them going to yell, It's the fuzz! It's the fuzz! Get out of here! What are you doing? What are you doing to me, Donnie? Get me out of here. He heard a car pull away and he heard a Donnie yelling, Sorry, Reggie, nothing I can do. I'll get you out. And Reggie started yelling, What? 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 What's going on? What's going on? And all of a sudden, the police were everywhere. They said, Freeze, freeze. Put your hands up. Come out of the vehicle. And they arrested this Reggie guy. They broke open the lock on the truck, opened it up, and it was full of stolen antiques. And once Ollie was sure the coast was clear, he got out too. And he put his tentacles up and said, hey, it's me. I'm the guy. I'm the informant guy. I was in the truck. I said, all right, all right, we're going to need to take a police report. I said, all right, but i got to get back to my client. I was really just in this for this watch. Stolen from a client of mine. I said, all right, well, we'll book in at evidence, but we'll check it out to you. So then Ollie made the long trek back to Baltimore. He called his client. She said, oh. You succeeded. That's so great. You got the watch. And I can go get my clock back, I guess, from the pawn shop. Or maybe I can have you do that. I don't really like to hang out in pawn shops. I said, I can do that if you want. I said, well, Ollie, you've done such a good job. Um, you can get home just however you want, and I will pay for it. You can take a flight. You can take a train. 
Whatever you want to do, Ollie. I said, you know what? It's late. If it's all right, I'd like to get a hotel here and then come back down by train in the morning. And she said, you just charge all that to me, Ollie. You've done a great job. And that was Ollie and the case of the stolen antique watch. <laughs>